Welcome back to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I am Inquisitor Caveat Ventus, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is my report on the Valentine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Tom McGee, Ryan LaPlante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Laura Elizabeth as Lyric, and Tyler Hewitt as Alto. My report shows that the Inquisitorial Band have engaged with the Xenos Predators of Tren and found survivors. Lyric was struck down by monster cats and is in critical condition. Alto is terrified, and Valentine found survivors and only suffered light wounds. Can the band keep Lyric alive and find a way off-world? Find out next in this episode of the Valentine Heresy. From a purchase order for Galen's Garden on the planet Tren in System... Galen's Excellence, currently known as B83. Med kits? Why would we need that many med kits? We need lunch boxes. Kids like lunch boxes. They don't care about med kits. Um. <laughs> uh, Lyric, it is getting harder to focus on on just the pain. Um but every so often you think you can hear uh, dear sweet Alto's worried voice. And you know this kid's expiry date is like probably a few hours from yours. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like left to his own devices. This is, this is how it goes down. And um, in this kind of void, um, you remember uh, one of Kel's harder lessons which was just um, was one of the days where she was looking a bit rough. It was not long before um, she was clearly kind of past her prime as a as a bounty hunter, um, and uh, even though she she still would disappear for mysterious jobs, which you now understand were for the Inquisition, uh, as well as other Imperial contracts. Um, there there comes a moment, and it's it's true of dancers, um, it's true of fighters where you realize that even though your brain still has it and you still know the moves, you just, your body's starting to break down. This is like particularly bad for like ballet dancers where they're just like, oh no, okay, nope, it's over, like up and over. Um, or for boxers where suddenly they're going down a lot more. And for her, you could tell that she'd realized that it wouldn't take much. She had to be extra good um, in order to stay up. And as it turned out, it wasn't really her fault when she died. It was more, uh, how to put this politely, yours. Um, but she was explaining one day as she was trying to pop um, a, a dislocated finger back into its socket um, <laughs> that there comes a point where it doesn't really matter how tough you are, you're going to go. You're going to lose. Everyone loses someday, and that's how fights work. And that's fine if it's just you, but the minute you have someone relying on you, it means something else uh to die. And she says this is one of the few times that for the way you and she talked that she actually, this is about as emotional as she got with you uh, other than like anger. <clears throat> but you could tell that she was trying to impart to you how scared she was uh, about what would happen to the two of you mm. when she died. Um, and that now that she was starting to see the reality of that encroaching, she was in a way kind of trying to justify the the additional harshness to her training for you. Um, and I think as someone who, generally speaking, has never really considered that there's a fight she could lose, um, it, was a, it was a harsh lesson, um, but also one that came into stark contrast when you became Alto's kind of soul protector. So even though the pain is fading as your consciousness is, um, you still hear the sound of his voice and it scares you enough. Uh, to stay alive. Um, Alto, you're looking down at your sister who is um, incredibly pale. And it's actually one of the first times that you can remember um, that she actually looks at peace. Um, her her face, there's no tension to her face or her shoulders or her muscles. And it it looks bad on her. Yeah. Um, it it's It's like someone stretched a skin suit, like an Edgar suit. I don't know why we're on Men in Black today, but we are. Um, <laughs> over her skeleton, it just, it doesn't, it almost looks like a mask. Yeah, Lyric scowls in her sleep. Like, this is... Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, like, I'm pretty sure, like, her teeth are flat 
from the grinding. Um, <laughs> yes. But instead, it's it's there's something I think so horrible to someone being fully limp, yeah. and just the fact yeah. that she's she's completely uh, out. Um, Lyric, what do you think is going through your head right now? Uh, oh, sorry, uh, Alto. Sorry, I meant Alto. Oh, sorry. You both picked yeah. music names. Uh, I know it's going through Lyric's head. I just told her. Uh, <laughs> it's going through your head. Um, uh, I think Alto blames himself. Um, I think Lyric said he shouldn't have gone ahead, right? He's dwelling on that. Um, and then he did, and he got pinned, and she tried to save him and paid for it and he couldn't save her. So I think he's just really internalizing that series of events and really blaming himself. I think out loud, um, you know, lyric hearing Alto's voice is he's just saying like, I'm sorry over and over again. And just like, please don't die. (laughs) Just constantly. Yeah. Just like over her being like, I'm sorry, lyric. I'm so sorry. Please hold on, please. It's going to be okay. I'm so sorry. Just over and over again. Cool. Um, so in the front seat um, with uh, Vigata, um, Valentine, um, you size this guy up. And while he certainly seems to be wearing um, Arbides armor, um, or at least remnants of it, um, there's nothing in his tone or demeanor that screams uh, Adeptus Arbides to you. Um, it almost and generally speaking, those kind of guys are a type, and this is not the type. Uh, you get almost a sense of pageantry. If that makes sense, um, mm. he's he's got. Um, as you've been talking, he's got some of the li- lingo down, but um, as I think we've we've determined uh, discussed, like there are a lot of very sacred things in in the forty k universe, uh, and there's a lot of sort of sacred concepts, and he seems to be able to pay lip service to them, but doesn't quite seem to to have the fervor that usually follows them, like you know he talks about the emperor, but he doesn't talk about the emperor the way you should talk about the emperor. Um, and, uh, the fact that he doesn't really know anything about the Inquisition is strange. He is, he has fully, like, committed himself to the, to your orders. Like, there's, that's not a question, but there's something off about all of this. Yeah, uh, we probably don't need to spend a half hour role playing this, but if we want to deal with the idea of the conversation, I think where, uh, Valentine would be going is he'd start asking about like what happened with the world, what happened with them. Cause he'd mentioned that he didn't know it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, he'd be trying to pick up information and see what doesn't check out. Mm-hmm. Cause if there's something off, there might even be something off within this story. He's kind of always got a danger sense, which is like meeting people on a world. There are weird aliens that shouldn't be here. Something is wrong. I need to leave. Can you roll me, um, I think I would say this is probably either a Vigilance or a Perception. I'll go with Perception, because I am much better at that. Unsurprisingly, as an interrogator turned Inquisitor, I thought he might be good at Perception. Yeah, that's uh, um, that, huh. tracks, that tracks for me too. Um, I'm going to say this is a uh, just a one purple, um, largely because I don't think... He's, you don't get the sense he's being duplicitous at all. Um, mm-hmm. He's given it to you pretty straight. That said, um, due to the strangeness of it and the post-combat shock, I'm going to spend a story point to up that. Uh, so we're now sitting at three and three. Uh, so it'll be a one red. Sorry, you're saying it's two purple, one red? Uh, no, sorry, I'm saying it's uh, straight up one one red. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm sorry, I wasn't clear on that. Um, it's he's not being duplicitous, so it's just, it's, it, yeah, it's having a hard time sorting it. In fact, like it, it's weirdly one of those things that only really has difficulty because you're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, also there's always a chance that, like, if something evil is happening, he doesn't know. So it's oh, a lot 100%. of like things within this. Yes, uh, I've like, got one success and three advantage. Oh, okay, fantastic. Um, so um, Vigata explains that um, Galen's Garden was built as a, uh, a nature preserve um, and kind of tourist destination here on Tren, um, and that the the goal was to create a place where um, the, the the rest of the people in um, uh, the Galen sector would be able to come and, or the system rather, not sector, the Galen system uh, would be able to come and kind of uh, see the, the, the wondrous uh, things uh, that Administratum uh, Tremaine was studying and um, 
it seems to you from this, um, Tremaine was likely a low-grade heretic um, in the way that a lot of this is pretty common in the Imperium because it just is so vast that there's all sorts of weird like local magistrates and other people who have very heretical ideas. In this particular instance, uh, Tremaine was clearly enamored of the Xenos, which is something that is uh, generally frowned upon by the Imperium. Um, Valentine, I don't know that you have any particular, like, specific personal issues with the Xenos as much. Um, you're kind um, of a, a more of a chaos guy, right? Well, yeah, I think he would have been Ordo Malleus with, like, his knowledge and what's going on, which means he's specifically, like, demon hunter, demon... Yep cult hunter like that kind of thing he's more concerned with with heresy and direct traitors he'd be aware of xenos and aware of the hereticus like he's not totally clueless i don't think he has a particular like hard on for alien hunting other than by due course kill them all and kill people who deal with them but sometimes they can be useful you might need to have a conversation you might need to make a trade yeah yeah the the sort of shades of gray i kind of like that 40k often dodges uh, in sort of the broad strokes, but a lot of the, the sort of smaller books and writers have talked about is just the idea that like, uh, yes, the edict is kill all the Xenos, but that's also so broad that I think it's like, I mean, they're aliens, they're out there doing their thing. It's not the same as summoning demons from the warp plane that will also fuck up aliens. Like, Yeah, I, I think, think he'd be like A.L. Dari and their various factions are all sort of like respected enemies, like sort of with the Tau. There's like a truce there, kill him if you can, but if you, you might be able to use him. Orcs yeah. are just too dumb to deal with, so they're literally just like a weird plague. Necrons to the death. Sure, like there'd yeah. be tyranids to the death, but yeah. I think it was more specifically meaning things like uh, the Eldar, where it's just kind of like, ah, I mean, chaos fucks up those Xenos. So like, I think in your hierarchy, it's like chaos the worst. Xenos like, maybe bad, but like, also they can be corrupted by chaos, ergo chaos. Yeah, take cool. them out, but really enemy of my enemy can exactly. be my friend. Right, great. Yeah. So we'll leave that as the baseline. I just wanted to kind of set that early. Um, because, you know, it's always want to make sure that we're we're uh, playing interesting side areas of the incredibly rigid Imperium dogma that none of us would want to live as humans uh, in the real world. So, cool. Great. Um, so, uh, Tremaine sounds vaguely heretical in that he clearly saw value in the Xenos um, that uh, you, I think, can also kind of appreciate from a practical value. Uh, that said, the idea of a, a zoo or a, like a nature preserve is is like a tremendously bizarre luxury um, because like, why would you spend resources on this? What the yeah, fuck? he'd be an interesting guy to have dinner with, followed by shooting him in the head. Yeah, yeah, uh, that sounds about right. Um, so um, anyway, uh, when the asteroid impacted and the uh, planet was knocked off course, it had been planned for. It didn't take out the dome. Like, everything was actually done pretty cleverly. Um, but as, you know, the continued incursions and everything else occurred and contact was cut off gradually, similar to Galen's glory back on Vermeer, people just stopped with the upkeep. Um, they weren't receiving supplies anymore. Ships weren't arriving anymore. Um, uh, they were holding up okay until the verdict came down uh, from the Lords of Terra. And uh, the the original... Um, Adeptus Arbides uh, showed up. So the uh, original guy um, was uh, known as um, uh, da, 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 da. Oh, nope, none of those names work. Um, uh, we'll say um, uh, Vigo Tala. Okay. And um, when Vigo arrived, um, it was with kind of the authority of the Imperium to uh, execute uh, Philos Tremaine for heresy um, and for um, what the Lords of Terra had caught wind of was uh, experimentation with Xenos. Um, so uh, Tala hunted um, Tremaine deep into the, the nature preserve and... By all accounts, based on what uh, the remaining survivors on, on Trent say, um, Vigo returned uh, victorious, having killed Tremaine. Um, but in the process, the dome was heavily damaged. Uh, the creatures were set loose. 
and uh, soon uh, the dome itself collapsed and chaos reigned. So the people of Tren now are the descendants of those who lived, who were basically staff, um, and some of the early visitors to Galen's Garden. And um, what you find with your dice roll there is uh, that uh, Horatio Vagata is the inheritor of the title of uh, arbitrator, which you realize now they're basically handing down as a mantle um, because with the death of the administratum, he, the, whoever hold like the arbitrator has basically become the leader and defender of these people because he showed up and killed their system. So he's the system now. Um, so he is, uh, he is like uh, several generations removed um, from, uh, from thing. And from the sounds of things, it's uh, almost like the Mandalorian culture. It's like um, you earn, you train under the previous arbitrator and then you earn the title. Um, but suddenly a lot of his uh, uh, verbiage and stuff starts to make sense because this is a guy who is aping what he has heard previously and it's become an oral tradition. It's not, he didn't train as an Arbides. He has been taught by the, you know, apprentice to the 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 apprentice of an Arbides. Um, but uh, yeah, it sounds like there is um, a, a small kind of community uh, that lives on this planet. Um, they are, again, the descendants of the people who lived there before. Um, and they've all dr- dreamt of leaving. And um, Vagata gets particularly excited when he, he hits this. And he says, you know, the uh, the arbitrator's ship was uh, was badly damaged uh, uh, upon its arrival. Um, the uh, the asteroid uh, uh, incident uh, was uh, – we were still feeling the effects and his trajectories were off. But – if you have, if you have parts, we we might actually be able to fix it. We might actually be able to finally leave. Well, that does sound excellent, and that is overall our plan. But of course, first step one, we need save to save your friend. Receive Absolutely, medical care. yes. yes. <laughs> um, and then step two, we get the fuck out of here. Sorry, fuck is a local term to this system. I don't know if uh, you've encountered it. Um, oh, I've heard some of it. I've heard it's quizzes. positive or negative on another world and has a variety of meanings. Excellent. Uh, do you have a, 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 should I be calling you Sir Inquisitor, Mr. Inquisitor, Lord Inquisitor, Inquisitor Esquire? Ah, uh, Lord Inquisitor would be fine. Okay, well, thank you, Lord Inquisitor. Um, and um, welcome to our village of uh, Visitor Center. And um, he pulls the Jeep up in front of a uh, massive visitor center from Jurassic Park that exists on this planet. Um, So like a big kind of domed uh, building, um, big epic stairs, um, but in horrible disrepair. So like it's, you know, the dome is a bit cracked, but you can see it's been patched um, largely with with sort of vines and and other things. Snow banks up on either side um, and uh, sort of central doors. So he um, he runs up ahead and kind of like pounds on the door uh, and yells a code phrase. Uh, the doors open and people in um, uh, sort of um, bright pink Hawaiian shirts uh, come rushing out. Um, and um, you can see that weirdly they're like, they're pink Hawaiian shirts to like the sleeve. And then the sleeve is like a green Hawaiian shirt. Um and uh, they they come rushing out, and uh, they all kind of pick Lyric up and start rushing her inside. Um, Alto, uh, do you stop them? Do you go with them? Uh, what's what's your? Alto would go with them. Okay. Yeah. I go with them too. Yeah, <laughs> I think we'll say uh, the Inquisitor would follow as well, and he would probably it would seem like a generous gesture to let Alto move faster, but he would take the bag of all the equipment for the shuttle, not trusting Alto to not like leave it somewhere or let someone steal it. Sure. So someone else um, gets in the Jeep and like kind of drives it around away from the entrance. Uh, and then just kind of as you look over your shoulder, Valentine, you see them sweeping up the tracks um, so that the, the exterior looks uh, roughly untouched. Um, and you're brought inside the, um, the visitor center. Um, inside, it is uh, very much kind of a almost like an ant colony style building. So like they've they've built little um, sort of hovels and sheds and that sort of thing throughout. Mm. Um, if you play any of the Fallout games, it's uh, I think it's Fallout Three. You go inside a museum, and it's just they turned every room into its own little kind of house um, or store, and that's kind of the vibe. Um, they've they've it doesn't no longer what the outside might look like. It's still kind of somewhat what it was inside. It's very much like a a shanty town. Um, so Lyric is rushed to 
the infirmary. Um, and uh, as you come up, there's um, a woman um, who uh, she's uh, think like if Viola Davis had like a tremendously bad few years. So um, just like she she's clearly tired, like just really kind of haggard. Um, still that sense of like command and presence, um, but clearly basically an overworked doctor. Um, and, uh, she's got, um, a massive, um, badly installed optical implant. Um, so like a giant red, um, eye, um, and is, uh, smoking, uh, like an old timey 1930s cartoon cigar. Um, that's clearly hand-rolled, and the stench of this thing is just fucking horrific. Um, because there's definitely no no tobacco here, so you're not sure what she's put in there, but it's clearly some kind of local plant. Um, and as, uh, as you come in, um, she kind of rises on uh, a robotic leg that seems too long for her. And uh, so she kind of walks with a, a, a bit of a, like a slightly off-kilter and... Uh, she goes, oh, wow. She's still breathing? And she just takes a long drag off the cigar. Uh, I, I think so. I, I hope so. Oh, that's a pretty good start. Uh, and then she just pierces the cigar on like a hook on the wall and um, kind of like hoists Lyric up onto a table um, and starts to like adjust the eye and immediately just starts calling for like various things. And people in Hawaiian shirts are like rushing forward and, and giving her stuff. <laughs> Um, she's wearing um, um, a heavy uh, apron uh, that seems to be made of um, what you would assume to be callop leather. Um, but underneath, she is also wearing a giant pink Hawaiian shirt. Um, so she starts uh, starts going to work. Um, also, do you try and stay and help, or are you content to just leave the uh, the doctor to her work? I try to stay and help um, because just the overall, like oeuvre he's getting does not necessarily inspire confidence mm -hmm. in in their does, prowess. Um, uh, Lyric, forgive me, do you have implants of any sort? No. Okay. Oh, natural. So they look, um, you can actually see that uh, the doctor seems confused as she kind of like um, looks uh, Lyric over um, kind of quickly and then she, she looks up at you all and uh, She's like, uh, well, I was going to ask you if uh, if you're set to inherit any of her gear, but looks like you've got the gear and, and she doesn't. So, uh, yeah, no, no parts. She's all natural. Yeah, that's uh, um, it's very strange down here. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I'm sorry that your your parents couldn't uh, leave you more. That's that's a tough that's a tough racket. And then she like leans over and puffs off the cigar on the hook and um, starts unstapling the staples. And she's like, "The arbiter is many things, but a doctor, he is not." Um, she starts like unpacking the wound. supporting the Fable and Folly Network. Here's another show we know you'll love. I got this really strange email last night. I need to see what's going on with this mystery file. Hey, it's a map of a town called Ocean Bay. Someone sent these images to you for a reason. I'm so lost right now. When was the last time you chose a direction and followed it? I'm going to Ocean Bay. We don't get many tourists this time of year. Ocean Bay is a friendly town, but we're not that friendly. I never sent you an email. I don't even know you. And why exactly are you here? The map is the reason we're here. Maps help when you're lost. Do you know what a trap street is? Trap streets aren't real. They don't exist. Don't trust anyone unless they give you a reason to trust them. I think he's dead. How could so much damage happen to a human body in such a short period of time? What the hell is going on here? From the creators of Strange Air, this is Trap Street. So maps can have secrets. Yes, maps can have secrets. Follow and hear new episodes of Trap Street anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hi, friends. It's Ryan here, your resident producer with Dum Dums and Dice, and I also 
voice characters that you've heard in IGM Season 2, and I am here to invite you to help support us producing this show and all of our other shows through our Patreon for Dum Dums and Dice. You can go to patreon.com slash dice and support us today, and it makes a world of difference. Plus, if you join, you get exciting things. We have a fan-exclusive Discord. We do weekly tableside video chats. You get advanced access to episodes and the videos before the rest of the public do. You can submit names for places, people, and things that pop up in the shows. You can create your own NPCs that interact with our parties on an ongoing basis. You can get special thank yous. Heck, if you if you want, we can even do one-shot adventures with you or start up a series with you. Just patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Please support us today. It will save us from a grim, dark future so we can keep making the show for you in a grim, dark future. So, Alto, this is basically... Um, weirdly, even though the, the circumstances are very different, um, it feels like kind of the backroom medicine that you remember from the hive. Um, it's people who are clearly good at what they do, if not, you know, certainly not medical grade, but they, they know their shit. Um, so, you know, she calls for boiled water. She starts like clearing the wounds and, um, starts kind of, uh, going to work. Um, what do you think you do? Um, if I'm asked to like hand tools or anything like that, I'm, sure. I'm there for that. Um, if they're using any kind of medical equipment that maybe after generations mm-hmm. of being stranded at this resort has fallen in dis- disrepair, I think Alto would also be doing like on the fly repairs to like make sure it operates at like oh, optimal okay. efficiency. I like that a lot. Yeah. Just yeah, like yeah. that's how he helps. Is yeah, like, no, that's fantastic. I like that a lot. Okay. So can you go roll me a tech use then, please? Yeah. Um, you see there is a, uh, a disused, um, kind of like, uh, maybe we'll say probably like diagnostic, like one of those big, um, like, um, what the fuck is the name? The, the beep beep machines. Um, like a heart, a heart rate monitor. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. just a big rig, um, that's sitting kind of disused in a corner. You can tell that it's clearly kept up, mm-hmm. but it's not functional. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll point to it and say like, if I can get that running, would that, would that help? Would that make things easier? Uh, she gives you that spectacular deadpan Viola Davis, like Amanda Waller stare. And it's just like, yes, that would be tremendously helpful. It hasn't worked in two generations, but if you know how to get it working, we could save a lot of lives, maybe even hers. I think at yes, he's like already looking like she's talking to the back of his head yeah, now yeah. as he's like as he's like leaning into it and like starts to like she pry like off grabs, like the case. Grabs and, the cigar off the wall. She's like, I see manners don't exist off world. That's good to know. Okay. Um, and she goes back to work. Uh, Valentine, what are you doing doing during this? Uh, I think Valentine would just like tap uh, Alto on the shoulder and remind him that he has a microbead so they can talk if anything develops, yeah, good or um, bad. Can you uh, tell me what a microbead is? I think I have a general sense, but I'd like to know the specifics. Yeah, so microbeads, they come in a variety of different forms, but essentially the idea is that it's a small short wave radio that you can like either have in your ear, so it's like Bluetooth style, or it can be built into a collar, or it could be the like wrist thing that the CIA Yeah, uses, I was going to say, do you have like, to put your finger to your ear to give away that you're a cop every time you use it? Depends on the microbead would be the short answer. So maybe, uh, but I think it's, yeah, it's just a short range communicator. So it would be used by teams that are like going into a building. It's got sort of like low level, like a SWAT team might use one. It's gotcha. not going to yeah, help yeah. you long range, but you could do like a road convoy or be in multiple floors of a building and theoretically check in that kind of thing. So it's a Metal Gear codec. I like it. <laughs> Let's carry on. Yeah. Uh, and I think after that, because this is just going to kind of go the way it does, and it doesn't seem like anyone's openly evil, uh, he'd want to see the arbitrator ship. Uh, and though he doesn't know a shitload about tech, Acri might, and he knows he can't get Alto to go with him, so he'd probably take Acri to go check out what's okay, going on. So um, Vigata takes you to kind of clearly his office um, that uh, you can tell, again, has been kind of passed down. It was likely the... Um, uh, it would have been Tremaine's office back in the day. Um, so it's actually like kind of a nice thing. There's a, a, a sort of a massive bay window that kind of looks out over over the jungle. Um, it's high up enough that you can get a bit of a view of kind of what's further west. 
Um, and kind of out the window, you can see um, the snowstorm is continuing, um, but uh, the visitor center seems to be kind of at the top of an incline. Um, so it kind of moves down into a valley. Uh, there seems to be like a tramway set up. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, in the very, very far distance, um, you can just kind of make out uh, almost like mountains um, for us, like uh, if you're like looking at mountains at, at distance, um, a sort of massive metallic structure that would likely be the, um, uh, the launch site. So um, he... Uh, he brings you over to um, a, like a filing cabinet and he just full on pulls out like this big sheaf of paper and he basically unfolds um, some diagrams and they're actually pretty solid diagrams, all things considered. Um, and he kind of like um, tacks them up um, and uh, gestures to them. And um, Valentine, what you realize is that the, the ship, so he explains that the ship is at the launch site uh, and that uh, the arbitrator um, uh, Vigo uh, dismantled the astral line so that uh, Tremaine couldn't escape, um, but also dismantled his own ship, which was already pretty badly damaged. Unfortunately, during the battle with Tremaine, he lost the rest of the ship parts. So basically, without what you've brought, there's very little way to get this up and up going, but it is a ways away. It will be a, a proper voyage to get to it. All right. Uh, sorry. Um, no, it's okay. Uh, the diagrams are clearly the best they could do. But they were likely done, like, either by the arbitrator or someone else. So for you, these are actually pretty solid. These are what you would draw. Uh, they've just been passed down, and no one knows what to do with them. Sorry, go ahead. Great. So um, I'd show it. I'd be like, I'm sorry, old friend. This may seem a bit strange for you, but these things are required. Just a moment. Uh, and I just haul the weird, like, spinal head acry body and put it in a chair to look at the diagrams. And he just, and just goes, be like, oh, cool, a servo skull. I've read about these. Not entirely. This is a servo skull. Uh, and he whistles and Eugene just flutters in. And he goes, uh, a servo skull. I've read about these. And then he just goes and like looks at it like a kid at a toy store. All right. So, Akri, if you could take a look at this here. Now, obviously, we've got two ships. We've got the Arbitrators, which is broken. And we have uh, one that you might be more familiar with in terms of the Astral Line, which is also broken. Uh, my instinct would be, if we could repair the arbitrators, it sounds like it's probably more solid and better armed, but I don't know what would be possible. Here's a question just between you and I, new friend. What is the personnel capacity of either of these ships? Um, so the Astral Line can take, I think we said about 30. Uh, and basically, um, Acri's like, well, I mean, here's here's my professional diagnosis. And like... I'm not going to do it because it'll get annoying, but please do imagine that the voice is skipping constantly because, like, the, 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 like, the voice box is terrible and also that it sounds like a teeny 1930s radio because um, I feel like you, like, ripped up a set of headsets and used that to build it. So it's really bad, bad voice Yeah, work. it's not good. Um, but he's like, uh, so as, as you determined from our less than uh, comfortable descent into this here planet – uh, the astral line ships are truly meant to go from one place to t'other, not uh, necessarily go in different directions. Now, sounds like uh, this uh, fellow you're hunting isn't in this here system, so uh, that uh, it's possible with an astral line vessel. Um, but uh, you got two things to worry about. One, whatever sad sap motherfuckers plugged into that one might not be as uh, cool and accommodating as yours truly. And... Uh, Two, if uh, the Emperor's glory, or Emperor's hope, rather, was any indication, it might not survive a trip outside the system. They're, these are glorified buses, so my money'd be on the arbitrator's ship. Now, I should warn you, those vessels are not built to hold many. They're built to hold the arbitrator, possibly a couple of buddies, and maybe some criminals. I only know because a couple pals of mine ended up in the back of one once, and they said it was a less than pleasant adventure. So... I would say that's your best bet. Probably a solid vehicle for a uh, man such as yourself with a mission such as yours. And from an entirely personal perspective, I cannot wait to get my synapses on that ship. I uh, used to fly things much more similar to that back in my day, and I'd be happy to do it again. Yes, that makes sense to me as well. Also, the arbitrator ship should be theoretically warp capable. We won't have a navigator, but perhaps that beacon set up in this system or area where we could do a series of short-term jumps to get where we need to go. All right, so we need to repair that ship. And, of course, 
Thank you, Emperor. Love these, love these complications. Okay, so this is good. I'll take these. Um, Horatio, my friend. Uh, how are we going to get to the launch pad? And I hate to say this, but time is of the essence. So the moment my companion is ready to go, we will need to make immediate exit. Oh, I, I understand, uh, my Lord Inquisitor. Uh, I, I must also say, please do not be uh, embarrassed about time being of the essence. Uh, my people have dreamed of leaving this hellhole since before any of us were born. So uh, we would also like to go. That would be great. Um the uh, absolute fastest way is uh, to take the tram. We want to avoid the valley anyway. Um, the, uh, <clears throat> the former administrator um, had some interesting ideas uh, about the value of, of the Xenos. Uh, the uh, the Calips we met were, were native to this planet, so that's dope. But, um, well, he, uh, he did some splicing. Uh, that's what got him in trouble with my, uh, with my predecessor. And as, as an arbitrator myself, with me, and he tries to look fierce, but... Mostly looks kind of sad. Um, so so uh, my, my bet would be uh, we, we take the tram as far as we can go to get us over over the valley. And then uh, from there, it's a straight shot through. Um, there's uh, We keep a couple vehicles on the other side just in, in case we need to go over there for parts. We salvaged some things from the ships over the years. But uh, based on uh, how advanced your vehicle looked and the fact that you have two servo skulls, I'm pretty sure uh, you've got the chops. All right. So another question here. How many colonists remain in this village that would be exiting the world in an ideal scenario? Um, there are, uh, the current population count is 112. All right. So here's what I'm thinking, my friend. Uh, and I just like put Acri back in the bag uh, and zip it up. Ah. I, don't want, I don't want him chiming in on this shit. Yep. So I'm thinking we should take an advanced party of the experts, you know, the doctor, if you have someone who's the best with mechanics to assist yourself. Uh, and then, uh, we could go in advance, prepare the ship, prepare any other materials in the area, make sure everything was ready to go, and then bring the rest of the colonists over so that they could be not as exposed to the environment or any threats around the spaceport. He uh, he crosses his, his like his arms over his chest and um, looks look you know like cocks his head at, a, at an angle. He, he just leans in. He's like, you know, I, I think that's probably a pretty good idea, Lord Inquisitor. They're not professionals like you and me. Exactly. We want to make sure they are as safe as they can possibly be before mm. we bring them into a new environment. So, I trust you, my friend. I trust Thank you, you, my Lord Inquisitor. And then he, I, like, tries to do arm gestures to salute you, but he doesn't really know what they are. Yeah, and, and, and I just, like, take the back of his arm and pull it a little forwards, and then I clasp his forearm, where it's, like, one arm of the forearm, I put his around mine, and then I shake it once, and then I release him. And I'm like, I'm going to count you as a member of my band. So... What I would like you to do is put together a list of, let's say, the five people you think would be of most use in either a combat scenario or if we were doing an insertion mission. So obviously there's a doctor, people like that, where if they were to be somewhere for a while, we don't know how long the repairs would take, they would be the ones who would keep the team alive. Well, I mean, you're right. We would want a doctor because your friend's pretty hurt, but she looks kind of badass. So like, let's bring the doctor to keep her safe. That's a good idea. Yeah, doctor comes with us for sure. Um... Well, and you, you'll, you'll you'll probably want um, uh, Heinrich the Seer because, um, like, he's real good. Um, he's got he's got you know the sight. You know, he can he can see things before they happen. All right, I won't say no to that at the gate. Uh, is there anyone else who's good with like repairing things or mechanics? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's uh, uh, Bilek. She's. Uh, She's the best mechanic we've got. She, uh, I mean, won't come as any surprise that our, our uh, vehicular stuff is getting a little bit rough these days. But uh, hell, she's the one who keeps the, uh, she's the one who manages to keep the tram running. All right. That sounds pretty good. And then we've got you. So is there, is there anyone else you would suggest from this lovely village of yours that could be of use over a, a slightly extended and dangerous period of time? Well, I mean, you probably want, uh, we'd have to leave a couple fighters behind, but oh, of uh, course. you probably want some of our, our best shooters, right? Oh, agreed. Absolutely. As you could see, as things went down with the cats, I really do require more uh, ranged and close combat specialists. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Well, obviously, we've got to bring uh, uh, Phalox Deathblower. Um, the, uh, 
it's a, it's, I, I know it probably sounds pretty quaint to, to uh, such a metropolitan spaceman like yourself, um, but uh, uh, the, the title of, of Death Blower has been one that we've, we've been passing down for, uh, for, for uh, generations. Um, once the ammo started running out, we got um, real good with, uh, with dart weapons, and um, he's, uh, he's our top Death Blower. All right, so that gives us a hunter, a seer, a mechanic, a doctor, and an arbitrator. I feel like this is an excellent team to move forward with. All right, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, we'll have to leave behind the professor, Marianne, uh, the skipper, but I think we've got a pretty good crew. Yes, yes. At least do for a three-hour tour. Do any of them have any uh, immediate family that they would be worried about if they were to leave them, you know, behind here while they were away? You know, I children, mean, we, we generally... We generally treat uh, the whole, the, the sort of the, the the whole village as as uh, as family, and uh, yeah, you know, people have partners and and you know siblings. Um, I think uh, Falox is the only one who has kids. Um, it's a, uh, and he he looks like legitimately grim, and all all mirth is kind of gone. He's like, it's um, it's a hard life here. We uh, not not many make it through. I understand. I understand. All right. Well, if you want to notify those people that we'll be heading out once my companion has been treated, uh, then I can go down and see how that is progressing. Uh, okay. Great. I'll I'll spread the word secretly, and then he like reaches out, pulls your arm slightly closer, and then grasps it because he assumes that the pulling closer is part of it. Um, and he goes, Lord Inquisitor, Arbitrator. I will. I will just give him this one. <laughs> and. Uh, like that classic gif of um, Christopher Reeve doing like the switch from Clark Kent to Superman where he just takes off the glasses and then just stands up two inches taller. Like um, Vigato legitimately like stands up taller. And again, like even for, for all the kind of quaintness of this, like he does seem very capable, just capable in a limited sense based on his circumstance. So he just kind of like uh, smile, like smiles to you and, and says, um, on it, you're Mr. Lordship. Ship. Uh, and then off he goes. Meanwhile, um, uh, Alto, um, can you go ahead and roll me that mechan- uh, tech use check, please? This is going to be um, three purple just because it's very old and it's missing some parts. Um, you get the sense that whenever they're done using something, uh, they repurpose it. Okay. Um, so there's that. Um, obviously, take your your double blue for Robo Arm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give you one more blue um, because um, uh, uh, Doctor Shit, what's her name going to be? Um, Laura, what's the doctor's name? Uh, Cleaver. Dr. Cleaver, uh, which is also a hereditary name um, because there's only one cleaver and it's mostly used for amputations. Uh, Dr. Cleaver clearly keeps a pretty clean um, clean house. Um, so she's kept it, even though it's not in working order, it's still like you're surprised to find it's oiled. Um, it's There's no dirt on it. It's just non-functional. Um, and I'm going to give you one setback dice because this is ancient tech compared to what you're used to looking at. Okay. I just want to see if I get anything for repairing. Uh, it's repairing a vehicle, so we won't apply that. Um, I'll, okay. I'll let you apply that. Okay. So I I'm using my resourceful mechanic. Um, yeah. That's, this is, if there's ever been a time for a resourceful mechanic, I feel like <laughs> fixing ancient medical tech to save your sister's life is probably... So the way it translates is you repair one additional system strain or hull trauma per rank in this skill. So I don't know if you want to, in this case, just infer that as one success added to whatever the total is or yes, an advantage that, or... Um, how many... What's what's your pool looking like right now? My pool right now is three yellow, three purple, three blue. Okay, then we'll count it as one extra success. I was going to give you uh, an upgrade from a... A yellow to or green to a yellow, but you're out of green, so yeah, yeah we'll go with that. Okay. Or actually, let's add one green. Okay. Hmm. Okay, I'm ready to roll. Okay, go ahead. Man, even with the odds stacked in my favor, only one success, six advantages. <laughs> Damn. Um, 
I had four okay. failures and they all had to get wiped out and I was left with one success after. I mean, that still does mean you succeed at, at yeah. your action. Like it's, it's, it's just by, like by degrees. I know. And I know. sometimes <laughs> you think you're, you think you're in the clear, but only this much, <laughs> <laughs> but your small success was so efficient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tyler, I'll tell you what, um, if a small you... success was plugging it back in, there was actually nothing wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the advantages you save so much time. Yeah. If you're willing, <clears throat> uh, I'll say get get it up, uh, back up and running. Um, if you're willing to spend um, four strain, um, I'll say it's up and running in like peak condition. If you don't, it's still good. It just won't add as much of an advantage to um, Doc Cleaver's uh, medicine check. I've already added the four strain. Rock yeah. and roll. So um, to Ryan's point about plugging it back in, you get it up and running, but like it's running on essentially like if these were batteries from the late 90s, early 2000s, and they had weird strips on the side that would tell you how much power was left in them that never really worked. Yeah. Um, it's You can tell that these batteries are functional but low because um, there just isn't power in this building. Everything's, you know, fire. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you, you jack in and um, it's essentially using your body as a battery to just give this thing the extra boost. Okay. Um, and you notice Doc Cleaver give you, like, um, a very appraising look. Uh, like, she's kind of made a decision about you, um, and she's impressed. And then she yells to the two people in Hawaiian shirts um, to, like, wheel the machine closer. As your eyes, I think, kind of, like, flicker back up into your head as you're basically letting it sap you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, suddenly, like, the diagnostics come up, um, and you see her eyes just go wide and go, by the emperor, the things we can do with this much information. Um, and she's going to go to work on Lyric. Um, so Lyric, in kind of this this weird um, space you're drifting in and out of, um, a man approaches. And um, he is... Um, Think like uh, an early 90s Howie Mandel type. So like kind of big okay. frizzy hair, uh, generally pleasant looking, um, but also just like his eyes are like a little manic. Um, and uh, he's doing the the Mark Ruffalo thing from uh, Avengers where he's just kind of like running his hands along his arms. Um, yeah. And he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt naturally. And uh, he just says, oh, um, uh, who, who are you? What the fuck do you care? Um, he seems to consider that for a minute. And he's like, oh, I'm, that's a, it's not a bad question, actually. It's just, um, well, it's, I, I haven't seen anyone else, you know, in, in, in here since, since I was a kid. In, in where? I, I look around me, like, what, what else is there? I mean, again, you're in this weird kind of like drifting in and out space. Yeah. It, it's, it's. Like in D and D, we often like in our, not in actual D and D, but like in our D and D, we call this like the mind palace a lot. But like it's it really is kind of like that weird liminal, um, like fucking Stranger Things upside down. When Eleven is in the tube space, where it's just yep. like pure black, stark light. If Brian Fuller was directing it, it's cool. It's where he goes to have his designs, etc. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So uh, he's like, well, um, it's just. Uh, I, I'm the only one like me here. Uh, at least. In, what since, do you mean, like you? What do you? What do you, what do you oh, like? Well, with with the sight, you've got the sight. You can see this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you've uh, <laughs> you've got powers. Welcome to the club. It sucks. Wait, I thought I just like see the get to like see the future maybe or something. I mean, that the can fuck be part is this? Uh, well, it's it's hard to explain. Um, look, I only know what's what's been told to me, and uh, well, oh, you probably don't know where you are because you're. You, I, I mean, are you are you awake? Are you dead? Who are you? I'm like half and half. Oh, that sucks. That really sucks. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Death kind of icks me out though, so I think I'm gonna go. But like, if you wake up, you should find me. Wait, what's your name? Uh, my name's, uh, Heinrich, the seer. G- 
good luck, I guess. If you see my aunt, uh, tell her I miss her. Well, who the fuck's your aunt? And then he just disappears. Um, fucking and, give me enough fucking information. Um, Alto, you're shocked to hear lyrics say this out loud. Um, and um, as you kind of um, rush to her side, uh, you see kind of her eyes start to, to flutter open a little bit. Lyric? Lyric, it's Alto. Can you hear me? Can I? <laughs> <laughs> you can. It's like, yeah, no fucking thanks to you and that fucking idiot. Oh, she's back. <laughs> and for a moment, all is right in the world. And that's when Doc Cleaver brings her namesake down on your leg. This episode of the Valentine Heresy features Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine. Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as Alto. Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter as Lyric. And our Game Master Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra and the Valentine Heresy's artwork was created by Del Borovic at delborovic.com. D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator, a death to all the heretics. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, DM Rob, Christopher Little, Olin Anderson, Sue One, Devin Boyce, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Anthony Griffin, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash Dumb Dumb Dice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. How much do you know about cryonic preservation? Cryonic preservation. The preservation of human beings at extreme low temperature. You mean like like uh, Walt Disney? No, I swear to God, if you say anything about Walt Disney's frozen head, I'm hanging up this phone right now. Swear to me, you've never heard of the Red Valley Seabolt until I just told you. I swear. You swear? Could you take your hand off my knee? Look, Warren, if they're sending the butter wouldn't melt new boy looking for Red Valley, it'll be for a reason. Trust me. People are losing their lives in this company. We pulled him out too soon. He is awakening exactly as we planned. He's dying on me! We're all murderers here. Bryony, you, me, that doorman probably. Guy on the corner there with a the neck tattoo. I bet he's killed someone. Would you like to cut his head off? I'm sorry. The saw is funny. Gordon, why are you sharing this stuff with me? Why are you smiling? I don't know. I smile when things get awkward. Get in your golden bullet, pick me up. You want to go to Red Valley? You want to go to Red Valley? Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley is available on all podcast providers. Do you want to continue?